Listening to Roar, powered by LT Gray. Welcome to the Tiger Den. Well, here starts season four. Uh, this is unusual. We're doing it before first period, and we're probably going to have a bell interrupt us, if not two, but that's okay. Uh, my name's Miss Schiff, and I am the adult advisor. Yes, I am the teacher. I am. I am. <laughs> I am the general chief and commander of LT Gray Publication. Literary genius. Yes, I am the literary genius. Good. <laughs> at Valencia High School. And as you can hear, I am being accompanied by Lucy, who is one of my co-editor in chiefs. Do you want to uh, tell the audience who you are and how you ended up sitting next to me this fine morning? Yes. Hi, I'm Lucy Sanzerbrin. I am in 12th grade this year. This is my second year in El Tigre. I joined when I was a junior last year. And I remember when I was a freshman, like I saw the magazine for El Tigre and I was like very interested. So I was going to join in 10th grade, but with the whole COVID thing, you know, I wasn't sure like what was happening with El Tigre. So I didn't get to join until 11th. To be honest, uh, I taught during your 10th grade year mm -hmm. while COVID was going on. I still don't know what happened. So uh, <laughs> I can't imagine that it would be easy to find us. But we we did have online editions at that point. We've changed websites since then, so those can't be found. And uh, we've moved on. We, we did publish one that year in the actual yearbook. That was our first year of a really? mini mag. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So at least something positive happened during that year. Yeah. Yeah. We got into the mini mag uh, thanks to Tesoros, our school yearbook which if you haven't checked them out, they are improving every year and they are pretty amazing as well. Um, and their advisor is Olivia Lytton and we should give her a shout out because we love Miss she's, Lytton. Yeah, she's amazing. And um, yeah, so we're going to get on to the topic, which is pop culture and instant gratification and journalism, yes. which... Uh, how do you even define instant gratification? I would define instant gratification as like the temptation and it's almost like the tendency to just go in and do something, do this action or something rather than putting it off and waiting because you want the reward from it immediately rather than like waiting like a week or a couple of days to do it, sustain time so that the reward is more pleasurable. You just give in and do it immediately. So I feel like this happens to me all the time. Uh, like you're a little too old to appreciate this, but uh, we'll be driving around the neighborhood and I will see a house that's on sale and I want to know, or like for sale and I want to know how much it is. So I will get on Redfin immediately <laughs> or like I will Google like what area I'm in or the answer to like what a giraffe's tongue color is, which I think I never it's remember. Black. It's black. Yeah. Sweet. It's I always I'm like, is it blue or is it black? But yeah, it's black. Um, which is super weird, right? They should get that checked out. But um, you can Google all this immediately. Mm -hmm. And somehow this is going to pertain to journalism, which <laughs> I think it does. Um, why do you think that instant gratification is becoming more habitual? I think it's becoming more of a habit for everyone because of the boom of social media. And like you said with Google, like it didn't exist always. Like now, like answers... People can get answers at the tip of their fingers anytime they want, like within a matter of seconds. Whereas before in the past, I feel like you had to go to a library and like pull out a book and dig. And, you know, now there's just answers everywhere, opinions everywhere, like social media, TikTok. It's just flowing all these different ideas. 
so fast that people are becoming addicted to these apps and like they're getting so um addicted to just getting answers immediately it's true on my 13th no my 10th birthday i got my whole set for my grandma of encyclopedia britannicas oh and God. i could look up any president i possibly wanted and there were pictures sometimes how big was it like oh shiny. there it was like so you can't see our hands but <laughs> uh maybe an inch and a half to two inches of width but there were like 20 of them oh, and it was like a very expensive like leather bound set and it sat and took a whole shelf just lined up. I looked very smart as a 10 year old. Um, and I remember just thinking, and this is so nerdy, how cool is it that I have the world at my fingertips? <laughs> <laughs> and I can look up anything in this Encyclopedia Britannica, which now as an adult, I'm wondering how bias skewed and short sighted some of those <laughs> things were, uh, which makes me think, uh, do you think that we're going to get more accurate information than just my one source that I had as a kid <laughs> through journalism online and, and media? How's that? I mean, I don't necessarily think that it's more accurate. I just think there's more information. Like there's always going to be misinformation out there, especially with social media and stuff. People and with instant gratification, they want to see it immediately. They want to see what beliefs already align with their own so that can skew information online especially with like instagram feeds and tiktok feeds and everything where news can be spread it's always filtered to that certain person there's these algorithms and stuff like that i feel like that's 100 percent accurate i also feel like it's imperative to teach young people how to accurately search or find unbiased resources because yes. of that, which is really scary that we don't necessarily do that. Yeah, it really is. That should be taught because like, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago when this wasn't a thing. Like It wasn't a thing to. even 10 to 15 years ago, yeah. even though it existed, it wasn't so accessible on my BlackBerry where it is <laughs> on my iPhone now. I've moved up in the world. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Technology's gotten better and so have I. Um, <laughs> do you see this more, you think, in adults or teens or or equitable? <sighs> what, where do we see this problem the most, I think? I mean, I think it's distributed across pretty much all ages. Well, maybe not babies. Well, even some babies, they're always on those iPads. But um, anyway. Not my baby, for the record. <laughs> not my baby, but yes. Not Ari. <laughs> <laughs> right? There are some people who do that. But yeah, um, so e you're even saying that kids are getting information, like young children are getting information just from like iPads and advertisements. Yeah, and especially with the lack of censorship, like they'll just go to Google, search something and just take the first answer that pops up because they don't know any better to look. It's not taught like you said earlier. So they'll just accept that and being so young and their mind is so <laughs> malleable, they'll just believe that and grow with that and they won't know how to look for anything more accurate. Right. I think it's also really important to talk about how in my classes, I don't see students understand the difference between a search engine and a website. So mm -hmm. they're always citing Google, but Google is just the search, search engine. engine. It's like getting in the car. Where did you drive to? You got in the car. You didn't tell me your destination. Yeah. And that's one thing. Also, I love when students are writing essays and they're like, I did research. I looked up spark notes. Well, that's, <laughs> it's not re that's not research. That's not research at all. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's fair. 
other than educating about it in the classrooms, which I think is what we would lean towards, mm -hmm. do you have any other ideas of how we could promote positive journalistic integrity and like looking for sources that might be either unbiased or allow for multiple sides to be shown yeah. or like just accuracy because BuzzFeed, shame on them, is the least accurate and unedited thing I've seen so much. I have, to, I'm probably going to terrorize BuzzFeed on our podcast all year long. I yeah. Every single <laughs> thing they put out lately has a typo. Yeah. Well, um, definitely about BuzzFeed. I agree with that. <laughs> I think a big well, probably the main part of journalism is whenever the journalists go out and they get the research themselves, they have to dig for the correct information, the accurate information. They need to try to see all sides so they can cover the story really well and thoroughly. So I think when it comes to social media and there's more newspapers that are getting, I think, put online as well. Yeah, you but see, you have to pay for those too now. So you're, <laughs> the world at your fingertips has an access of $5.99 per it's month. Got a limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you see kind of the dying of um, print magazine, but I think that whenever you go to post stuff online, whether it's news or just social media, anything that's spreading information that you claim to be true, you should really do thorough research, have other sides look at it, get quotes from both sides. <laughs> There's our bell. Love that. Okay, well, we're going to continue. And I'm sure we the might, listeners will love that. I'm sure. <laughs> I, this is my favorite part about not editing these things is that you get some <laughs> of the weird stuff from on campus and on campus newsroom. See, we are, we are factual. We un, unedited, unedited, raw, great material. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Instead of lazy and don't have enough time or technology... Well, we have the technology yeah. time to edit. Yeah, see, our listeners are loving this already. It all works out. It all works <laughs> Everything works out. Um, what websites do you use to like look up factual information if you want something? To look up factual information, like for the extended essay and stuff like that, I went through um, ProQuest, like that online digital library. Is database. that accessible for everybody? That's not. So you're very right with that. So how, how, how did you get that? It was provided by the school. Ah, so <laughs> so school can provide unbiased resources with yes. possible like access to other greatness. Mm -hmm. Okay, what if you're a schmo on the street? Do you have any idea? <laughs> if you're on the street, I could imagine maybe that you could go to a library and they have databases, I believe, on their computers, um, college campus libraries. If maybe you can get on the campus, um, and if you are gonna go online. I would recommend there are free um, databases online that you can find that are not just Google. And if well, you, Google does have Google Scholar. Yeah, there is Google Scholar, which I would recommend using as well. Okay, but that's for like in-depth research. What about just like, I want to know if Dolly Parton really did change her hair color. <laughs> she probably did not, by the way. She's been blonde for centuries. So... <laughs> Uh, that's I, a hyperbole by the way she's not centuries old just she looks great she does she, she does. does yeah um so like but i want to see if dolly parton really did change her hair color where am i going to look for that 
I think you could go to Google. It would just be very important to look at the source that you're on. Like a lot of the news sources tend to be biased, especially like politically. So if you're on Fox versus CNN, like be wary of like which website you're on and you might want to do research on what their personal beliefs are. So, you know, if your information might be skewed a little bit. NPR seems to be pretty unbiased or at least more centered in terms of um, giving specifics on political and global issues. Um, there was once a, um, there's a website, I don't remember what it is. And of course, we're not going to search for it and tap on it while we're looking. But it did say that NPR was one of the most unbiased American news sources that we have. Mm -hmm. So I guess a shout out to NPR. Oh, yeah. Uh, I should probably cite my source, though, so people don't just take this for what it is and then also have an unreliable source through this podcast. Awesome. But they're going to take it for what it is, yeah. according to you and oh, your geez. research, because, <laughs> because that's what it is, right? Uh, it was easy access. Um, do you think that because it's so easy to gain this access that people's willingness to read more is there? I think people's willingness to read and overall just search for information and, you know, read a lengthy article to get all the good information. I think that tendency has gone down since social media has been booming and the internet is everywhere. So I think that people are very less willing to do this and this declines journalism a lot, I also feel. It's funny that you mentioned that because we're on 13 minutes and 26 seconds of our recording right now. Mm -hmm. And I usually try not to go over 10 to 15 minutes because I don't think our readers or our listeners, excuse me, have that much of an attention span to listen to <laughs> what we're talking about the topic, which not to insult our listeners at all or ostracize them, but ultimately it's a, it's just commentary on our culture, right? We want, and this is myself included. I want that 30 second soundbite or the, I want the, the slogan or the mm -hmm. like the main idea and then boom i'm done right yeah I, and i think maybe it also comes to our lives are getting busier like mm -hmm. how many are, you're an ib i've got a job too on this and side. a job and your co-editor in chief yeah. you're not busy at all right not at all no <laughs> so you have all these things going on and then like how much time do you have to put in like extra you don't. Yeah, exactly. People don't have enough time. So of course, they're just going to want to go to Google, pop in the search engine, something and get their immediate answer. I feel like that also fits and, and talks about like our lives, at least as Americans, I can't speak mm -hmm. for other countries, but our lives as Americans, especially high school students, it's like, and eh, maybe not even high school students, even as adults, right? Like you have your job, your job would be school, but then you also have your job because you now have a side gig, right? Which yes. is actually paying, I'm yeah. assuming, mm -hmm. right? And then uh, I would not tell the listeners where I work, by the mm -hmm. way. But um, I mean, I've told them where I work, but you should not tell them where you work. I think they know where you work. Uh, they do, What? They know where? I, I've had a student ask me, Shift, where do you work? No. Yes. And I was just like, well, when I'm not doing my freelance teaching job here. <laughs> Um, so I think with our work, right. And your school and your work and like family time, right. Mm -hmm. Cause I know you don't have your own family, but you have a family. Yeah. Yes. And I have a family of my own and, uh, like all the things that life brings 
we don't have a lot of time to be sitting here going, I want to ponder on mm -hmm. one subject, right? So are we just becoming a jack of all trades because, or like, does journalistic integrity not matter as much anymore because we don't have, that? that's taking a back burner to our concern and our priority. Yeah, I would think so. I would think people, they're so tired. They don't really care about getting the truth out. They just want an answer, even if that might compromise, you know, what is actually happening. And I don't think we're talking about everybody, right? Because there are people who will spend hours true. researching things. So I don't want to like point my finger at all of society. But I mean, I know I'm guilty of it myself. Yeah, like, big part. Yeah, like, and this even comes down to the trash TV that I watch. Oh, there's our other bell. Woo woo. But like, even the trash TV that I watch, right? <laughs> uh, you know, like 90 Day Fiance, I want to know if they're still oh, together. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good, but it's trash. It is it, trash, it, though. <laughs> it, it, my brain is dying slowly exactly. by watching this stuff. But, you know, I want to know if they're still together. I want to mm -hmm. know what's going on. I want to I wanna Google, um, you know, in Selling OC, I want to see, which is also trash TV, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, but I want I want to Google like the locations that they're at. I think that they're mm -hmm. at a restaurant I've been to. Uh, they're selling a house that is nowhere near down the street from my house because my house is not anywhere in the tens of thousands of millions of dollars, right? And yep. but I want to know where theirs is, right? Mm -hmm. So I use Google a lot for research and probably not worldly affairs as much as I should. But even then, uh, how many articles did we see on the Queen's death lately? so many i i got the original information about the queen's death just from opening tiktok and i saw a video about it i'm like what so then i go to google and i look it up and you see hundreds of articles i'm embarrassed <laughs> to tell you i found out via instagram and then <laughs> i don't remember what news source did this but um the soccer player beckham Beckham, yeah. I'm not yeah. familiar with Sure. Okay. Uh, Posh Spice's husband. That's how oh, okay. I know him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he waited in line supposedly 12 hours to see the queen and Jeez. pay his respects. So I didn't read any of the article because I'll be honest, none of this really interests me at all. Um, but that being said, that gave me some sort of like gauge as to how long the line was but had a famous person not been in a line and pop culture covered it i would have really had no concept of how many people actually lined up to see a casket which also fascinates me because i don't think we've ever had that in american history that long of a line mm -hmm. for probably not probably not um so journalism has taken a new turn because I saw that not because of the queen's death, but because the famous person stood in line to see her. Yeah, exactly. So like, this is what journalism is gonna start covering to grab people's attention because our attention spans have gone down due to like this instant gratification. So now we're gonna have almost like these clickbait type of articles. That was 100% what happened there. <laughs> and I didn't even read the article. I just read mm -hmm. the headline and moved on because again, it still didn't fascinate me, but the 12 hour part stuck with me because that did fascinate me. And I pondered that for a bit. I'm still actually pondering that. Because <laughs> um, I don't think I've stayed anywhere for 12 hours. Mm -mm. So that's a very long time to be drawn into something. Yeah, the last time I think I waited that long for anything was when there was a game that came out for GameCube and my neighbors asked me to spend the night in the parking lot with them because I was older than them and their parents. You did it? Yeah, I did it for them because 
their parents said that they wouldn't stay out with them and that they needed an adult and i was a pseudo adult at the time so i counted apparently and we stayed out and got the game for him but that's the longest i've ever waited for anything probably so yeah well okay uh instant gratification is not so instant when it comes to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> and uh clearly uh Clearly we should, myself included, I think you're admitting to it, we should really take more time to yeah. look at um, at least more geopolitical issues and, and local politics, maybe not use the clickbait. Yes. Um, instant gratification is definitely something that we are all kind of... Uh, very guilty of. Guilt, very guilty of. <laughs> very. Um, and this coming from somebody who studies journalism and from another person who's in a journalism <laughs> class so uh we obviously touch like the journalism community more than maybe the average bear if you will i think so and we're guilty of this absolutely i feel like this might just be more of a confession moment than anything else in a podcast <laughs> okay well lucy uh this is season four so i'm super excited to start this year with you and mm -hmm. sarah who's our other editor-in-chief who's not in the room right now because it's not her week to go through a podcast <laughs> who, which she's trying to avoid like the plague but um i'm excited to see what this year brings i think this podcast is mm -hmm. already turning out pretty great you're pretty great and i'm excited to see anything do you have any words for our listeners Thanks for listening, and I hope you take what we said to heart, but not too seriously. Just watch, <laughs> just watch yourself and watch the type of articles you're looking for, and every once in a while, try to wait a little bit. Try to um, not fall into instant gratification as much as we already do. Wow, that was like a word of caution to our listeners. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to end this podcast. You guys have a lovely week and thanks for listening to Roar. Thank you.